This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Well, it's interesting talking through Anthony Richardson, who just wowed everybody. Brock, he's rocketing up draft boards. I know you're going to talk about his low light tape and his mistake reel and all that. But how do you, how do, if he's as good as he can be, right? If the highlight reel is that great mm-hmm. and he's 6'4, 244, mm-hmm. runs a 4'4, 440. So as Maura just mm-hmm. pointed out, mm-hmm. bigger. And faster than Derrick Henry. I shouldn't take credit. Someone texted it in. Whatever. But I, I verified. I'm giving you credit. <laughs> Bigger and faster than Derrick Henry. Here's my question to you, Brock. Even if it doesn't work out, even if you can't get him to where you need him to be as a passer and the mistakes are there, mm-hmm. how much can you truly bust if you can be if you're six four, two forty four with a four 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 forty and can run? How much can you yeah. really bust? I was trying to think of quarterbacks that could run that were truly busts, and the only one I can come up with that was a true bust is Vince Young, mm. who had other issues beyond just mm. you know his ability mm-hmm. to play quarterback. Real running quarterbacks, you can't fully bust because you can always run. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to look that up during during the break over the years. The guys that that were four five, four six, forty guys, and you know when you're a QB that can run, uh, obviously four four is just different. But you know, four five, four six guy. I mean, Johnny Mansell was a runner. Now he too uh, was a was a total bust, and that was a lot more off the field. Right, and, and he was, was a little itty bitty. Yeah, and he was yeah, and he was a little itty bitty guy as well. Yeah, man. That, Kyler Murray, you know, may not turn out to be a great one. I don't know if I'd call him a bust, but I, you know, he's sort of the worst case scenario where you 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 spend a lot of time, energy, and money on him, and he's not actually good enough. But he's also itty bitty. Itty bitty. This guy's this guy's huge. He's a yeah. monster. Yeah. How bad could he possibly be? If he if, if this were like a high school kid and you're evaluating him right as a high school kid as you see all these college guys do. You'd be like, yeah, I'm taking him. I'm taking him uh, first. He's first in my recruiting class. When you're 6'4", 244, run 4'4", jump 40 inches as well. I mean, you got to add that to the list, too. And let's also add, was the best interview of all of the quarterbacks, according to multiple scouts. Yeah, so we're we're taking him, and then we're going to fix the rest of it, right? Or, or, you know what, he can do anything, and and especially at the collegiate level, you know, if we need to to move him around or whatever, we're going to take, because just humans don't, don't walk around like that. I mean, even in the, in the class of 300 prospects there, right over the, over the entire week of all the positions, his just caliber of athleticism was as good as anybody height, weight, you know, when you throw it all together, put it all in the pot. Then the question really does become how much can he play the actual QB position? He's played very little of it in his career, right? He's not, it's not like he's been a two, three, four year starter. Right, he was a one-year starter, a spot starter the first couple years. The program has been in disarray. Dan Mullen left. Uh, you know, new coaches come in, different coordinator every year, different system every year. So, man, he is a difficult projection. But I do know this: what happens in February, now March, and into the end of April with prospects like that is they rise and they rise considerably. Baker Mayfield 
second round pick to the number one pick. Kyler Murray, mid, late first round, too small, first pick in the draft. First pick in the draft. So, you know, and I think even the old Vegas odds have him now third overall as far as being the number one pick in the draft. So, yeah, that athleticism. And we saw some amazing athletes with our own eyes last week down there in Peoria. <laughs> if he if he walked out, he'd make Julio look small. Mm. Right? Julio is about what? What do you say? 225, 230, yeah. 6'3. Yeah, he'd, he'd grip Julio's hand and Julio would look at him and go, oh. Ooh, so here, here's a, a good uh, a good text that kind of reminds me of of, of how this can go. Six one two text in says, "Would you be okay if Richardson turned out to be Daniel Jones? He ran a four three forty, is two hundred thirty pounds, and is six five. Would you? Not really. No. No. And Jake Locker's yeah. another one that somebody points out. You know, running quarterback who busted. Yeah, that's true." I'll throw him yep. on that list. Trey Lance is problematic as well so far. Yep. So, yeah, yep. I mean, th- those are all really good points, and and yep. and that certainly knocks it down. I, I, Brock, I've been struggling with this more than anything else because I— I could tell by your email last night. I know. I'm really, I'm really at odds. For so long, I've just felt like, don't do this. Don't go spend that capital on the quarterback. You need so many— defensive pieces and you have such a great chance for eliteness on defense that you've got to take it. But I will, you know, what if Gino's gone? He might be. I don't think it's going to happen, but he might be. What if he, what if they let him test the market? He goes elsewhere. And now you need a quarterback. Are you, are you, are you, does that change your calculation at the number five pick? If Gino's not here. Yeah, I think it plays a, a significant role. Yeah. I do, I, but I don't think I can take Will Levis. I don't know if I can take C.J. Stroud, right, depending on how all of this shakes out. And, and again, now the combine finished. We're going to get into the franchise tag tomorrow. Why not on Str- Didn't Stroud the, have a great combine as well and threw the – I mean, people were buzzing I mean, he, about he, how well he threw the ball. He throws it well, but there's not those plus, plus, plus traits. He's not 6'4". He's not 240. He doesn't run 4'4". Four, four. I don't think he even ran at the combine. So – yeah, I mean he he throws it well. He's six two. He's two fifteen. He's he's maybe some ways Geno Smith light. You know, I think they're similar. They both throw it very well. Kind of remember Ryan Fitzmagic earlier this year talking about Geno. Like, yeah, I mean I remember being with him. If you could ever put it together, the guy can spin the football. CJ can spin the football, but he can't do it with the velocity and the power. And he certainly doesn't have the physical abilities. And he ran around a little bit in the semifinal game, which was about the only game he ran around in his two years of college. But that is not. That is not his game. He is not Anthony Richardson and not even close in those matters. So, But he can really throw. But he can throw. And he's a sharp kid. And he led Ohio State for a couple of years. They're pretty pretty darn good. But he had a pretty <laughs> darn good cast. I know. He won, so did, and so did Bryce Young. I mean, what, you're going to take points off because you had a good team? Bryce Young nope. had a pretty darn good team at Alabama for all of that time. And quite frankly, probably didn't win as much as they could have. And yet, now, Anthony Anthony Richardson's. Let me just say this: Anthony Richardson's intrigue factor in my book went up 10x with the number five pick. I, I was like, no chance, no way, no, 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 no. Can't do it, man. Way, way too much risk. Way too many what other. What was needs. it that can? What was it that made him more intriguing? Yeah, I think it was just, uh, and I've told you this before. It, it felt like Donovan McNabb, hmm. my year at the combine in 1998. Where you know there were some dudes, right? There were the Bryce Youngs and the C.J. Strouds and Will Levises. There were other dudes. There was Achilles Smith and Tim Couch and 
Cade McNown and Dante Culpepper, and there there were dudes, and yet it was Don McNabb that was the talk. It was he was the leader. He had the charisma, right? He he just had the respect. You could feel that. All the other guys they, they get in line, they want to go with Donovan. Yeah, man, I want to run under that sixty-five yard go route, right? I, I want to catch his passes. I want to be mm. kind of teamed up with him. I think that's what those scouts are referencing there, Salk. It's not just like in that interview room that he does great. It's yeah, man, this guy resonates, and people right want to be around him. It's got a magnetism. You know, I'm not going to say Julio Rodriguez esque, but there's just there's just people that just rise. There's just leaders that just rise, and I think for me that was that was as significant as it was watching him. But I also can't take away how effortlessly Mike he's throwing those sixty-five <laughs> yard go routes. I mean, that just doesn't that doesn't happen, right? Other guys can kind of crank it up. That that was Josh Allen at the combine, right? Josh Allen did the exact same thing. Marvin Demoff, my agent, told me, "Hey, listen, if you really want to show off on that go route, don't just take five steps and throw it. Take seven or take five and hold it for a while, and then just let that thing loose and let it rip sixty plus yards." Because that does, as superficial as it sounds, that makes a mark. And those scouts and those coaches and those GMs take notice. Well, this is going to be fascinating. I mean, first you got to make your decision with Gino, then you got to make a decision on a you know number five pick, and all of these things are coming up in the next couple of months. I mean, you are less than two months away from the draft, and what uh, seemed... you're a lot less than that with Gino. I know. Right? You're oh, you're a day away Gino. Gino. <laughs> yeah. and then you're ten days away from the start of the reg- for, you know free agent season, and ooh, and then the draft yeah, by by the ooh. end of April, and. <laughs> What seemed to me a very simple plan at number five, all of the sudden has become a little bit more complicated. Force me to make a decision right now, Brock. I'm probably going with one of the defensive studs still at number five or trading back a couple of spots if somebody is desperate for a quarterback in in your spot. That's still probably what I'm doing. But I will admit, just like you, if you thought it became more intriguing, uh, you know that was true for me. How could it not be? How could you not be intrigued by the possibility of adding a quarterback who might have special skills? In fact, coming up next in Everything You Need to Know, I'll play you some Dan Orlovsky sound that might just drive you over the edge. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it was a nice win for the Mariners yesterday. We saw some pretty important pieces doing some very interesting work. Chris Flexen threw another three scoreless innings. He has been fabulous so far this spring. Scoreless innings for Diego Castillo and Paul Seawald. Seawald's first action of the year. That went well. Castillo flashed a new changeup to help against lefties, which Scott was very impressed with. But the highlight of the day, Brock, no doubt about this one. This next pitch, Kelman swung on high drive. Center field. Just going to watch that baby get out of here over the batter's eye. J.K. Jared Keldick with a home run. Wow, his fourth of the season. There was no doubt about that one. Five nothing Seattle. All right, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, Sue me. Yeah. I can't help it. He's hitting 412, Brock. He's got four home runs, an OPS over 1,100, and he's doing everything right. He's hitting it the other way, he's hitting it up the middle. Isn't that exactly what we want? It sure is, and you can kind of tell that that was one of those reactions from the center fielder. (laughs) It was a good call by Sims. It's a high sky there in pure. It's not always the easiest to see what's going on. But that center fielder told you all you needed to know. He took one step and was like, "Uh, wow. 
Wow. And that thing cleared the batter's eye with a little bit of ease. I think it was the furthest home run uh, that he has ever hit in his career. I think he had like uh, one at 436. Yes, this was 445. Uh-huh. Scott, pretty impressed. That's a really good reliever. You know, it's an all-star reliever. It's got a really good changeup. The keto had Jared gotten a good count. You know, and he get too anxious up there and got a pitch and really good swing on it. He, he hit the tar to that ball, as did O'Keefe with his home run. And then... And Cooper Hummel as well. So bats are going. It was a good day today. Good bounce back after our game yesterday. Well, and unfortunately, that game yesterday he's talking about was a rough re-entry for George Kirby. Both he and Logan Gilbert with tough first starts after being held back a little bit. Yeah, I'm thinking with both of those guys, a little bit of that timing, right? A little bit of that pitch clock. A little bit of, and I know some of them had experience in the minor league level, but a little bit of an adjustment. I certainly am not worried. And that Kellenic shot, man, that was a beauty. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, the world is now talking about Anthony Richardson, and why not? Had one of the best combine performances ever. He showed that he's got Cam Newton-like size, speed, and skills. Dan Orlovsky, man, tell me this doesn't make you intrigued. I want to remove the phrase or the word project from Anthony Richardson. I don't see him as that. I see him as an opportunity or an investment. This young man is a unicorn. I mean, he is uniquely talented with his size, his athleticism, and his natural throwing. When I hear project, I hear, I hear of a guy that you, you got to get him better as a thrower and whatnot, or it's mm-hmm. not natural. For, I don't see that with Anthony. I just see a young man that's crazy talented that needs good quarterback coaching. Whoever drafts him, if they have that, and you're patient, you got a superstar. Top five player at the position in the NFL. Top five player in the position, wow. Brock. Wow, wow. Well, Unicorn, I would agree with. The the numbers were off the charts. I think the 40-and-a-half-inch vertical at 244 pounds was as impressive to me as the 4440 was as well. 6-4 is real. Um, I, I will say project because that's what we all said about Josh Allen a few years ago. And to me, that's one of the closer comps right now. That's a, that's a lot of what he feels like because the numbers are somewhat similar. The accuracy numbers, and I'll give you some of these in Blue 88, they're, they're a bit troubling, especially in today's game, Salk, where there are so many gimmies, so many little bubbles and screens. So when you actually look at the, the intermediate and the deep throws in game, not in, not in underwear, but in the game, there is a project written all over him. And the key there, too, and you heard Orlovsky say it, Mike, and it's what complicates this Seattle situation. Did you hear him? He goes to the right place with mm-hmm. patience, with patience where you can grow. Isn't that exactly what they have? Well, if you get something done with Gino, sure. But if you do, isn't aren't you uniquely? So you want to get something done? You want to get something done with Gino, and you want to spend the best capital you've ever had in the history of your program on a backup quarterback? I'm not saying that yet, but I'm certainly intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued. We got lots of news in the NFL today. Reports are that sounds like uh, Carr, Derek Carr, is on his way to New Orleans, where they are expected to get a deal done. Uh, the Rams are releasing half their team, including Leonard Floyd, which obviously uh, would be a huge deal for the Seahawks because he wouldn't be around to torture them anymore. Nine sacks in each of the last three years. Bobby Wagner's going to have a little bit of competition on the linebacker market as Eric Hendricks or Eric Hendricks rather is going to be released in Minnesota. Here's the third thing you need to know. Four straight wins now for the Kraken. As soon as it looked like they were in trouble, they had lost three straight. They have bounced back in a big, big way. Uh, Yesterday, doing it in overtime after coming back late. Yanni Gord on a sweet, sweet pass from Vince Dunn. Kraken had the puck, I believe, the whole overtime to this point. Now, 
Yanni Gord is in. He scores! Hey, hey, what do you say? That's a heck of a win. Down 2-1 late, Brock, to come back and win it in overtime. Yep. That was a good one. Yeah, I know the Avalanche are not playing like the world champs. They got a bunch of injuries, but they are feisty. They were at home. And there is just some about this team, this team from Seattle that goes on the road and plays its best hockey. We have seen that in multiple stretches now, right? We, we saw it in the historic run before the All-Star break. And, and this is a pretty, I mean, it's not, it's not the same level. It's not Boston. It's not Toronto. But, man, racking up these wins is a good thing. And now, remember after that losing streak where you're kind of buried in the middle of the pack in the Pacific? Now you're two points behind second, just four points behind Vegas with, with, a, with a game behind them as well. Uh, or game extra that you still have to play. Yeah, this team likes the road, man. They seem to to find and find themselves. And, and by the way, speaking of the road, mm-hmm. I said to you on Friday, mm-hmm. the Wazoo women, biggest win in program history, knocking off a top four Utah team. How about the first time in Wazoo women's history of basketball winning the Pac-12 tournament? Did not just settle for that win over Utah. Beat Colorado, beat ranked UCLA to win the championship yesterday. What an incredible accomplishment by Cami Etheridge and those Cougs over in the Palouse. All right, that's everything you need to know. Uh, Texter says, we already know Kelnick can hit bad pitching. Okay, but the ball he hit yesterday came off an all-star. So I don't know whether that's a particularly relevant comment. Uh, That was not off bad pitching. That was off good pitching. Uh, Newsflash, Salk, no one cares about the combine. It's all rumors and media-driven. Is that whoa. true, Brock? Is it? Whoa. Does anyone care about the combine? No, they care. Yeah, they care. And that combine, a lot, a lot of rumors and a lot of talk gets done in all hours of the night. So, no, there's a lot that goes on. And, and, the, and those measurables are baseline, man. Those are, real, those are real numbers that you get to compare to everybody else around you. You want uh, Leonard Floyd? I I'd, I'd really like Leonard Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> I'd really, really mm. like Leonard Floyd. Okay. Uh, yes, I would. What if you have Leonard Floyd? Does that change what you could do with the number five pick? Does he become, in your mind then, the number five pick for the next couple of years? And Yeah, that becomes a lot more intriguing. Then all of a sudden, can you afford to spend that capital on a on a quarterback? I don't well, know the right the right number on Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's kind of the first one that has to happen here. That's the first priority, along with some of these other guys that get released in free agency. But that's that's kind of the first big domino that's gotta that's gotta fall to get the rest of them going. Uh, Brock, coming up here, uh, I want to talk through uh, something we saw down in spring training. I started off the show this morning talking about why I thought this year was so special down there, and I want to tell talk to you about that a little bit as well. But ultimately, I think we've all been talking about the wrong worry when it comes to the 2023 Mariners. We'll dig into that as well. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. It was a great week. Mm. It really was. I mean, mm. coming back home was a challenge after the week that we all had. Uh, it was a lot of fun, Brock. I, I kind of went through some of the things that I loved most about this past week down in spring training and what we were able to accomplish down there. Uh, four things kind of jumped out to me. How about you? Uh, what what jumped out to you mm. that just made it a, a, a special a special time for us? Yeah, the sun as it rose up right above behind our, our backs as we started the show. 
at least three of the five days, the sun sun came out and it was absolutely stunningly beautiful. It is just a connection you make with coaches, with players, even the skip and the GM. You know, you, you could do all of this, you know, via Zoom. You could do it over the phone. But there is nothing, there is nothing like human contact. Mm. You know, when I got to do the NFL in 2020, it was great. It was, it was fun. It was a, an awesome opportunity for me, but that was a COVID year. So everything, every player's meeting, every coach's meeting was just done via Zoom. And you lost that just human connection that, that, you know, from a comfort, from reading the room, you know, we, we joked an awful lot about Julio as we got close to him there. But yeah, that is by far the biggest takeaway. And frankly, even on this Monday, I'm still envisioning like we're there, right? It, it, like for the, <laughs> probably for a few weeks. And, you know, obviously then football season gets going and draft season, all that stuff. And then the regular season starts for these Mariners and you kind of live in both worlds. But right now for this week, I'm still close my eyes and visualize. Mora right across from me, Justin at, you know, three o'clock and, and you by my side. And, mm. uh, yeah, what a, what a special week it was for sure. It was, there were a few things that really jumped out to me. I kind of went through them earlier, but just to quickly recap, I mean, one, it was great just being together, the four of us and Shannon as well. It was a lot of fun seeing Shannon and being around her and eating her baked goods, which were tremendous, by the way, top five moment for my mom. I got to tell you, as great as as my dad, you know, as much as he enjoyed ranking things on Friday. And uh, if you did a get, marvelous job, I thought he did a really good job. Marvelous job. He sounded more comfortable and confident this time than in the past. So kudos to dad. He did a good job ranking bads, although he did miss badminton and you know, bad right. blood and some right, others. Right, right. But, hey, you know, it's not perfect. Um, my mom could not show up to the park without brownies. Couldn't do it. Nope. She just like was physically incapable of going to the stadium, to the facility without bringing brownies for some reason. I, really I hope nice Jane knows. I hope Jane knows I did sneak one in there. Yes. Too. Uh, she yeah. told me about what you asked about her brownies, Brock. How dare you? Sorry. Accuse my mom of, of putting anything in those brownies. But uh, Cal Raleigh and Scott Service both partaking. In one wow. of Jane Salk's brownies, which wow. I think pretty much made her life like, oh, my God, her brownies have now been consumed by major leaguers. So mm. pretty, uh, pretty, pretty heady stuff. Cal was over there with Shannon handing him a blondie and then your mom like, wait, take this, too. And then <laughs> Scott comes up. Are, are you feeding my players? Yeah, he said, uh, I asked him, hey, you want one? Of, you want a brownie? He's like, what, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, my mom baked brownies. She's giving them to the, he's like, she's not giving to the players. Like, well, just Cal. He's like, no, oh, okay. I guess that's fine. So, yeah, uh, kudos to cool. them. That was fun. It was great just being together, all of us. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that, just sort of our time away. Uh, this, has the be- this is the best interviewing team we've ever come up with. Everyone, I mean, just so many good interviews. They yeah. were very interviewable. Yeah. And, and that really went a long way for us. It doesn't make them a good baseball team, but it definitely made it a fun time for us to be down there. Three. It did, it did, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I'm just, just going to add to that. It, it just doesn't feel like there were any posers or imposters, mm. right? They were good interviews because they were all pretty comfortable with who they are. And I think if we would have continued down the line with George Kirby and Marco and the rest of them, it would have probably been similar. Like they weren't just trying to, you know, there's a lot of. A lot of these these kids that just left Indianapolis, these young men at the combine, they got notes from their agent. They got notes from their marketing team, right? They studied them. They prepped them before they went into this. Of They did demo interviews, Salk, of, okay, here's some of the things you're going to be asked, and, and this is the way you need to present yourself, hmm. and right? And so a lot of it is forged, frankly, and inauthentic. I don't think there was a guy that, that we talked to that it felt forced or they're putting on a show or they, and it's not as if the PR team for the Mariners are sitting there going, Hey, okay, be prepared. No, 
you know, Salk's a feisty one. And he's, and he's going to ask you some tough ones. And then that other guy's kind of goofy. And he's going to ask you really weird questions and probably one oddball one, right? It, it wasn't as if they were prepped in any way. They're just, you know, sat down. We get them at the best time, as you said, right? This is the best time in a baseball season to do what we get the opportunity to do yep. because the pressure of the regular season isn't on. There's no stat line attached to them, right? Their body feels good. They're getting going. They're getting themselves ready. Hope springs eternal. But, yeah, it was a home run in that way for sure. Yeah, that was really cool. A lot of fun guys to talk to. Every one of the interviews we did, and if you missed any of them, uh, they're all up, of course, at seattlesports.com or on our podcast. By the way, we could use a few Apple podcast reviews. Come on, people. We're, we're, we're still at 4.6, and we really, like, we just need a little bit of help to get up to 4.7. So, uh, three, Brock, team's good. They're a good team. Come back to that one in a moment. Four, um, the, the last thing that sort of jumped out to me, what was it? Hold on. I was talking about this earlier. Oh, well, what was the fourth thing? Oh, well, Darn it. Your, no, I'm forgetting. Notes out. Huh? Your, I didn't make on. notes on this. I kind of went through it myself. So oh, it, was, it, was, it was you. Oh, yeah. The listeners. That's what it was. There's real legitimate interest in the team. Yes. In, in a way that I don't remember us ever having while we were down there in the past. No, as of most people around the fence, that was most people just, you know, the, the ping Listening, interested in what us. we were talking yes. about. Yeah, no right? question. No I mean, question. that that's a big deal, right? We and find- KC, the ringleader, let's be very clear. This is a shout out to KC this morning. Yeah. I know he doesn't need it because he's very active on social media, but he kind of the ringleader down there. Was he there every day, by the way? Does that guy work? No, he's a government guy. He's a city, city government guy. and I don't have much to do. Uh, although I will say I was disappointed by this email or text from the 509 Brock, which I got this morning that said, yo, finally caught up with all the spring training podcasts. One thing I learned from your week in Arizona, Brock is embarrassing. Whoa. Everything that comes out of his mouth is immature. Whoa. Also, please remind him this is a job. Jeez. Yeah, Brock, you have a job to do, <laughs> and I would like if you would be respectful to professional. Too. Yeah, is that too much Golly. to ask for you to just be professional? <sighs> a little easier when I'm uh, detached like this, when I'm not around the guys, when I'm not, you know, looking with my scout's eyes or marveling at, at Julio. So I'll, yes, I will attempt to be. Could you attempt to be a little bit more professional, a little bit more mature. The hot air balloon part, and I totally. What, what were you were describing? What, what Cade Marlowe's? <laughs> physique and i totally thought that that was a new term for a couple of texters did too yeah. oh yeah he's got a hot air balloon <laughs> just, and then we Brock realized talking that about that power was just sources distracted like, by oh, an no, actual an actual hot, hot air, air balloons going over the facility <laughs> yeah you get me out of the professional office you never know what you're gonna get wild man you know what my biggest fear about this team is Honestly, I I I'm, I love that. I'm really excited about where this team's going, and I think I know we've talked. Have they done enough to catch the Astros? I'm not actually not that worried about that. I think if they need to add more, they will. I'm not that worried about whether or not they've added enough pieces to go catch the Astros. I'm not that worried about the offense. I, it may go through some tough stretches. That might happen, but they've built for that. They're they're sort of ready for that. My fear with this team is just. Can their young pitching hold up? Can it, can it, that it would either regress or get hurt? Mm -hmm. Because that's something I don't think that, I mean, look, they've, 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 they've done what you can do to guard against that. If George Kirby regresses or gets hurt, if Logan Gilbert regresses or gets hurt, probably a little less likely now that he's entering year three. And I know both are poised to have really excellent years. So I'm excited about that. But the toll from last year, we haven't seen what that's going to be yet, especially on George Kirby, who didn't have a few years to build up because of everything he lost due to COVID. So I like the way they're handling it. I like that they're letting those guys take it easy to start, even if their reentry was rough. Both guys had rough first starts. 
I like that they've kept both Marco and Flexen. And by the way, Flexen has been one of the best arms in camp so far. I like that they've got options. So if you need to let someone take it easy in the minors for a couple of weeks or George Kirby's got to go down or Matt Brash or whomever, they have options. So you can send them down and you can let them kind of work stuff out or take a week off or skip a start or whatever you need to do. I think those are important tools that they may need to take advantage of this year. But if you ask me, is there anything I'm concerned about? Bob was asking me that when I was on with them the other day and I couldn't really come up with anything. It's this. And there's no evidence that it's going to happen. But the one fear for this team is that the young pitching doesn't take that step. Well, I think, too, if you, you know, sometimes when we're in the moment there and, gosh, it was a blast. And every one of those 20 hours was so fun to sit there and be close to this team and be around them. But then when you do get on a plane and you do remove yourself, you start to think about it a little bit. And two things did strike me along those lines. And that is AJ and JK, right, the, your, your kind of platoon in left field. Com- combined with Jerry Depota's background in pitching, I think that those two things factored in a big way as to why they wouldn't overpay. Mm-hmm. Why they wouldn't overpay in a trade. Why they were not going to get rid, Mike, of some of those arms, be it Bryce Miller, who was one of the ones most asked about, or one of your veteran pieces. And you know what? How much different would camp have felt if Michael Conforto was there? Would he have felt that, that, much, that much differently? Or do you want to give Jared Kelnick? And AJ Pollock, you know this this opportunity in yeah, left field. Yeah, I'm with that. I, I mean, we've talked through that. I agree. I, I don't. I didn't need a Michael Conforto. I didn't need a Brandon Nimmo. Those things were not going to change my view of this team. The only, the only, honestly, the only thing that I really felt like they could have done that might have changed my view would have been to add a legitimate DH, whether that is JD Martinez or Brandon Belt, mm-hmm. somebody along those lines that could that you would know is your DH heading into the year. That would make me feel better. And that could play the role of Tom of uh, of Listella or Hummel or one of those, mm-hmm. and that would just be a significant upgrade. Yes, it is the one thing that I look at and say, "Gosh, that's that's the, they have that opportunity." The only other thing that I that that the only other player that signed elsewhere this off season that I'm a little jealous of that I kind of wish they'd been able to get something done for him is the Ghost Forkball, Kodai mm-hmm. Senga. Just seeing some of the video of him pitching with the Mets and and what he may be able to do with that pitch and his ability, I I know that you're pretty stacked in your starting rotation, but you can never have enough. And if that was one more guy that you were throwing into this mix, I just feel even better about your starting rotation and and what some of your young guys are capable of. I know we've got to get to Blue 88 here, and i got some significant combine thoughts and otherwise, and in the the – Derek Carr news this morning leads my mind in a bunch of different directions. Then we'll get back to this with Shannon here in about 15 minutes or so. But what if, here's one last little morsel. What if I would have told you in 2020, Salk, that we would be back together? The band would be together, that Justin and Moore and you and I would have the time of our lives. We'd be top golfing it, just having a blast. But I would have told you in 2020 that, yeah, in three years, we're all going to be doing this. And we won't even talk to J.P. Crawford the entire week. Mm. You'd be surprised. Because as I thought about that too, like, hey, we've got, got a feel for just about everybody, right? At every single position around the diamond, you know, time off the air with Ty France. And some of the guys we didn't get on the air, we talked to off the air. I said hello to JP a couple different times, you know, and he, he was certainly cordial and nice. He doesn't love this part of it. No, he doesn't. He, he's, he's not super interested in engaging 
with the media uh, in that way on the air. He's usually very friendly off the air. But even around his say. teammates, it wasn't as if he was a life of the party. That's it wasn't- not entirely true. He was the one singing reggae songs right after the 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 big uh, Harry Ford and and Eugenio performance. And I don't I, I don't know that I want to say that. And I don't know that we get to see what goes on behind the scenes. By all accounts, he's right there in the midst of okay. all of it. My sense, my sense is he was a little humbled last year, and that's a good thing. My sense is he's going to be what Sean Payton wants the guys to be in Denver, right? I don't, I don't need you out there. I don't need you as an influencer, right? I need you just to, to do your job behind the scenes. And, and especially coming off of a year last year where a lot of guys took a step, where a lot of notoriety and, and certainly a superstar bloomed behind him in center field. And that's a good thing. Mm. I see that as a good thing. I, I don't see that as, hey, man, I'm going to try to pose or I'm going to try to pretend. No, last year wasn't what it needed to be. And and he's just going to work to make sure that 2023 is a little bit different. A lot of people sticking up for you, Brock, and say that you're just fine. Nobody should change you and that you're just okay the way you are. But I don't know. I felt like that texture made some pretty good points about your maturity level. And maybe it's right. something you could think about kind of heading into the future. Time for Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Saul. Yeah, I'm going to throw out your first question, Brock, and replace it because I want to make sure you have an opportunity today to talk about your team, your former teammate and friend, Joe Jerzinka, who unfortunately was found dead yesterday uh, in a fishing accident. So uh, he was your teammate for a number of years, uh, an incredibly meaningful person to Husky Nation. Tell me... Tell me who Joe Jarzinka was to oh, you. Oh, man. He was just the absolute life of the party. Same year, came into school. Kind of like my buddy Dane Looker, right, that, that, that we've gotten to know over the years. They're both wide receivers. Dane went to, to Western Washington to play basketball and then ultimately said, you know, I'm going to give this football thing another shot. And, boy, am I glad he did. And he, too, had to walk on in Washington before ultimately earning a scholarship like Joe. Joe was a walk-on. And those walk-ons, Mike, man, it, it's, it's, a tougher, it's a tougher road in every way. Right, obviously, they're not getting their school paid for and their food paid for and everything else, so they're betting on themselves. They have, they have a separate locker room, right? So there's only so much space for the 85 scholarship guys, or I think it was 85 then. It might have even been 100. So the, the walk-ons had a different locker room, like down the hall, removed. So you had to set, be set apart. You had to set yourself apart. You had to do something to earn your way into the other locker room, and Joe did that and more. The absolute just fearless Right, you all, all of you listening right now, can think of your friend growing up, junior high, high school, maybe into college. You're like, wow, that dude is fearless. Mm. Why is that guy jumping off that bridge? <laughs> why, why is that guy on the football field never waving for a fair catch ever? Right, his blonde locks flowing out of the back of his helmet. He wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the strongest, he wasn't the fastest, but my goodness gracious, was he one of the favorites. And I had a lot of texts on my phone last night, and a lot of us grieving significantly about the loss of a guy that was a bright light, the life of the party, and an absolutely fearless football yeah, player. My condolences, man. I'm really sorry. And met that guy once and thought he seemed like an incredibly interesting character. Um, I know he's beloved by, by Husky fans everywhere, by people in Seattle everywhere, and certainly by his friends, family, and teammates. Question number two. Well, Anthony Richardson, talk of the combine for sure. Who's the best comp for Anthony Richardson? I think he's a lot closer to Dante Culpepper, man. 
So he was Dante was my year in 98, the 99 draft class. Dante was a little shorter, actually, and about 10 pounds heavier. I think Dante was 6'3 and a half and 254 at the combine. And yet, like uh, Anthony Richardson, jumped some 37 inches in his vertical. So just had a unique power, right? Just had a power in his arm that the ball just, it looks like a little BB when he throws it. And Anthony's a little bit taller. He's 10 pounds lighter. He's even more explosive. Set the all-time QB record that I don't, I don't know who's going to break that. Who's going to jump over 40 and a half inches down the road on top of running 4-4, the fastest QB time in this class. So Dante Culpepper kind of comes to my mind. Dante played at UCF. Now he threw it. He was much more prolific a passer coming out. I mean, he, he took shots and he could throw the deep ball. And then he found the perfect home. Right, went to Minnesota with Randy Moss, and guess what you did? Go ahead, man, like the uh, Super Tecmo Bowl. Drop back 10 yards and go throw that thing 70, and Randy will go get it. And Chris Carter, and he came up with some professionals that, that, that taught him and grew him. Oh, and before that sounds his, really familiar. And before his injury, man, he was he was a difference maker. So he ran he'd be a, the one. He ran a 4.5240, so not too far off. At 254 pounds. Right. Yes. Yes, I mean he could big be. boy now. Uh, yeah, just super. He's a really good player. Super he explosive. His leg. He was, but and he was, was in the right fit. Before they really let him run much. I mean, imagine him in some of the modern offenses. What Dante Culpepper could be in today's NFL? Yeah, he'd have been even better. Yes, very interesting comp. Yep. All right, question number three. Uh, overall consensus of the 300 prospects or so in this draft. What is this draft all about? So we sat there on Friday after the big boys performed on the D-line, and I said to you, holy cow, man, the evolution of this game, bigger, stronger, faster. Well, over four or five days, that that toned down just a little bit. There, there are still some unique guys. And my guy, Dewan Jones, out of Ohio State, 6'8", 374, almost 12-inch hands, just not a human. Um, and so there were those guys, but there wasn't the, across the board, wide receivers, safeties, even the corners. One kid, right, that, that, that ran out of Michigan, that ran DJ Turner 428 or 427. So one kind of freakishly fast time. But I think the overall consensus is you're not getting to 15 or 20 first round picks. I don't even know if you're getting much past 10 of just elite different guys. You know, I think you're at about 10 and then picks 11 through 50. Baskin Robbins, what do you want? What do you want at what position? And what are you willing to say, okay, doesn't check every box? There's about 10 that I think check about every box. And then there's 11 through 50 that check, just call it three out of four boxes. But you're going to sacrifice some length. You're going to sacrifice some size. You're going to sacrifice some lack of production, maybe a little bit of speed, maybe not just as perfect as you want you want them all lined up to be. There's like not the sauce gardener at corner. There's some really good corners that check like three of the four boxes, but not all four of them. So when you start to look at just how many legit, bona fide, projectable, totally different well, dudes in this draft. It's a good thing you got one of those picks. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. As for what you do with it, that's a whole nother question. That's uh, three good football questions for Brock. We call that Blue 88. We do that every day here at 745. You're right. There is all kinds of breaking news this morning. Derek Carr is going to go to New Orleans. Looks like a four-year deal for him to sign with the Saints. Uh, okay. Very curious to see those numbers because that very, affect very Gino. Yeah, let me just say this, too, because I really think in many ways – that Derek Carr wanted to be in Carolina, wanted to play for that staff. I think Carolina may have wanted him, but certainly at their number. That would be a little bit of a comp to me of Geno. 
like Carolina for Derek Carr, Seattle for Geno, where you just kind of line things up and mm-hmm. say, yeah, man, I think that that would be the best fit for you. But ultimately, then the number wasn't what the number wanted it to be. Why? Well, Carolina may really want one of these four or five quarterbacks. Right, they 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 and they're sitting behind you. And in many of these mocks, you've seen them attached. Scott Fitterer, obviously close friend, runs the Panthers very very close to John Schneider as they spent years and years together right here in Seattle. But is that the first little tell that you know what? Unlike last year, where I didn't like that draft class, I wouldn't buy an in the Malik Willis and Pickett went later in the first round. That unlike last year, this year's crop, they're they're different. They're different physically, they're different production-wise, and there's three, four, five guys that people want. And if Carolina says no to Carr, that strikes me just, you know, just kind of thinking out loud here, but that strikes me as they may be very interested in one of these young men. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense, and and certainly Carr is going to help set the market for Geno Smith, as did uh, you know Daniel Jones will as well. He's looking for a huge amount of money, and I don't know why he would be worth significantly more than Geno. So you know, watching what those guys get in the cities they get them in is is definitely going to help determine what Geno can get. But I, you know. There's no numbers attached yet. You're only seeing four years. Just seeing four years. We don't have numbers yet. But I, you know, when we do, that will be a really important one to look at because Mm -hmm. if it's fifty million a year or some craziness, all right. What if it's twenty five a year? That's also going to change it. As long as he waited, as much as he was out there, as much as he had to go visit everyone, Mm -hmm. including at the combine. And remember, New Orleans was his first trip. Twenty five a year. Thirty five a year. If that's a four year deal, I think it's probably two years of real money, Mm -hmm. and then they use two years to stretch it out. Remember, yep. New Orleans has been in a bit of a yep. of a cap, you know, uh, purgatory as well. So it, it's not going to be fifty million, and that's four years because they're going to want to stretch some of those guarantees out. Well, I'm happy, Brock. Uh, we have now made it two hours, and you've yet to bring up Jordan bogeying three of the last four holes at uh, the Arnold Palmer over the week. So thank you, I appreciate that. That was a rough ending for poor Jordan. He did finish T four, which was nice. And congratulations to Kirk Kitayama. You know, Quadzilla. That's your kind of guy, man. Big quads. legs for days. Legs for days. Hey, hey, hey. I'm going to be a professional. Yeah. Enough of that stuff. Okay, five oh nine. Was that a five oh nine? By yeah, the way. yeah, that's my. That, those are my people. I know the five hundred. Looking out for you. Wants me to stop being a jack. Right, well, I appreciate. We know, who, we know who Morris people are. Who are Morris people? <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> okay. For those who know, know. <laughs> well, I, uh, I appreciate you not bringing that up. I'm Kyle, not gonna say that area code ever again. <laughs> Kyle and I were uh, texting over the weekend and, and very upset about how all that went down. All right. Since we miss it so much and more misses the 206, we're going to head back to Peoria next. What is Shannon Dreyer up to, and what has she been seeing since we left? We will ask her those questions and more next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com.